Hi, hello, and welcome to K Out and About, the podcast about my random travel occurrences. This is still season one and episode 27, What the British Say. I thought this will be a short one, but there was a lot more stuff that I planned for. So there's so much content, I thought, no, it deserves a separate outing. I've already mentioned some cultural differences in the language, and I want to continue with that, as this is the most fascinating to me, the British speaking quirks. Most of them pertain to the working environment, but a lot of them are just, you know, everyday things you say. So I'll start with work, but then I will move on to just everyday life, including weather, as you may imagine. At first, I didn't realize that when somebody asked me, do you want to mop the floor in the reception, for example? It wasn't really a question. My answer to that was usually no. Not that it was mopping, but I hate doing something, you know, that will get destroyed in seconds. I can mop the floor in the middle of the night. No one will walk over it until it's dry. But during the day, it's often pointless. Chances are someone will walk over it right behind you. So people were giving me dirty looks. My advice to you is that if you work in the UK or with British people and someone asks you if you want to do something, well, they pretty much mean do it, do it now. If you want to be a little bit cheeky, you can ask them back, like, are you asking me if I want to do it or if you're asking me actually to do it with, you know, innocent face? They don't like it very much as it forces them to be direct. And not saying what they really think, especially in a working environment, is something that people in the UK do well. That now includes me as well, because I've copied many of the behaviors that I observed. So, for example, to the question that you hear at work every day, not just at work, but everywhere, every day. How's your day going? The classic answer is not too bad. And here you have the following translations. One, mm, surprisingly okay so far. Two, worst day of my life. Three, spectacularly. Four, eh, it's exceedingly unremarkable. And five, I feel nothing. All that, in just short, not too bad. Then when someone at work is asking you how your project is going, or you're asking someone how their project is going, and they'll just say, getting there. That means little to no progress, but I won't tell you that. And yes, I've been guilty of that as well. I'm, I'm, I just keep saying, oh yeah, I'm getting there. And then imagine you see your manager coming and they ask you, can I just borrow you? Don't worry, you're not in trouble. But if they ask you, can I just grab you? Hmm, you could be in trouble. If they come around and ask you, can I have a quick word? You're in deep, deep shit, pretty much. Yeah, prepare to pack and just leave. Speaking of leaving, when someone from work is leaving, or you're leaving, it's the classic, we should stay in touch, don't be a stranger. And I'm guilty of that too. I've said don't be a stranger to so many people that I never wanted to see again in my life. 
And on the other hand, I've said that to people that I really wanted to see again or speak to again, but I never did because, you know, life came in between. So it feels like it doesn't mean anything. It's just something you say when somebody leaves or somebody says that to you when, when you're leaving. Don't worry. It's just, uh, you know, like, hi, how are you? It's just goodbye. Yeah, bye. Don't be a stranger. Another thing that is not very direct is when somebody or when you invite someone to do something, an activity or party or a dinner, I don't know, whatever it could be. And then you hear, oh, I'd love to, but I can't. The translation is, I don't want to, so I won't. And at the beginning, I was silly enough to come up with excuses, like proper excuses why I can't. And then I just realized, yeah, you can just say, oh, yeah, I'd love to. Oh, but I can't. And then, you know, they can see how 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 you really love to, but you, you can't. And of course, they know it's bullshit. Everyone knows it's bullshit. Now, there's a thing that I do a lot myself. And this is when you're sitting down for a meeting with someone with a friend at work doesn't really matter. And then you just sort of slap with your palms, with your hands against your thighs and say, right. And it kind of, you're kind of indicating you're, you're like you're about to get up. It means you're finalizing things. And I've said it not just when I'm sitting, but it's like, yeah, right. Let me just start maybe packing my stuff and leaving or I don't know, just, you know, grab my bike and cycle away. Something. It just means it's kind of whatever meeting you've been to, it's coming to an end. I think I've mentioned this word uh, in one of the podcasts before, in one of the episodes before. It's the word quite. Nothing is just nice or expensive or cheap. It's quite nice, quite expensive and quite cheap. And I'm so guilty of using that word myself. It's it just very handy because you don't have to say exactly what you're thinking. You just say, oh, yeah, no, quite nice. If you don't want to say, oh, this is really shit. I mentioned we're going to be talking about weather. Not for a very long time. But I was surprised how many words people in the UK have for crappy or just cold weather. And you hear those words, you know, in weather for forecasts on TV. So you've got cloudy, murky, grim, turbulent, overcast, muggy, sticky, stuffy, bleak, my favorite, unseasonable, harsh, raw, chilly, frosty, crispy. And the list probably goes on. I just don't remember any more of these. When you're on the street and people want to joke about how crap the weather is, they could say something like, nice weather for ducks. Or, yeah, it's raining sideways, which is a factual statement because I can confirm in London it has rained sideways. Hence, I don't know if I mentioned that, having an umbrella in the UK is pointless. Always have a coat with a hoodie because, uh, yeah, umbrella will not protect you because it rains sideways. And, yeah, after yeah almost 11 years in London, you know that there's a lot of apologizing going on. I do that automatically. I just say sorry when I hit myself against the table. And I don't know, do I say it to myself? Do I say it to the table? It's just sorry. But I just say it. You know, something happened. I brushed against someone against something, you know, tripped over something. Oh, yeah, sorry. 
just because it's now automatic because you say it everywhere in the UK. And on being polite, imagine this situation. It doesn't happen very often, but it can happen. You're in a longish, longish corridor. I'll, I'll speak about the ish later. And there's someone in front of you. And there's, you know, a few sets of doors and they keep opening the door and holding it for you so you, so you don't have to open the doors. And of course, you have to thank them. But what do you say? Do you just, you cannot just say thanks every single time. You know, no, the rule is you have to change it. And the rule, well, the words that you use and the order you use them is thanks, cheers, nice one, thank you. I've actually heard it many times. I didn't notice that until I think it was some someone on on a YouTube channel about English language mentioned it again. I was like, oh my God, it is so true. I've witnessed it myself. Thanks. Cheers. Nice one. Thank you. Keep that in mind. Oh, the next one. Oh, I like it because I use it a lot. It's the one that goes, oh, go on then. And a lot of people use it for themselves. Imagine you're sitting at a table, I don't know, in company or, well, usually there should be someone because you're talking, although I do talk to myself a lot as well. So never mind. Imagine there are people and there is, you know, you've had already a lot of pizza or a lot of cake or a lot of chocolate, but you feel like, oh, maybe one more. And you just say to yourself, ah, go on then. And you grab it and eat it. And you're kind of glad because you've done something naughty. Well, I, I use it obviously for myself, but I also use it for other people. So if I see someone struggling, should I, should I not? For any situation, be it food or doing something, planning something, I usually say, ah, go on then, just to kind of push them to do that. It could be something naughty like, yeah, eating that fifth, sixth or eighth or tenth slice of pizza or a biscuit uh, or, you know, just something way more stupid. Speaking of stupid, pubs. So it can happen that you're in the pub and either you, someone else, a waitress, a waiter is grabbing too many glasses, too many bottles, and one of it just falls and breaks down or somebody trips, falls down, or just trips and makes a silly, I don't know, gestures and something happens and someone else falls, whatever happens in the bar. If something like that happens, usually there's a bunch of people that's, that is going to go, well, hey, don't ask me what it means, what it was, where it came from. It's just, yeah, sometimes in the bar, you're sitting, minding your your own business, and then suddenly you hear, hey, and, and you know just somebody dropped a glass, most likely. While we are drinking, there's a concept of the greasy spoon. And this one connects directly to the typical English breakfast I have mentioned before. One time... I remember we, it was sort of dawn-ish and we were sitting with a lingering hangover and my English friend suggested a greasy spoon. And I just looked at him, you know, through the vapors of alcohol. What? Thinking, I don't know, does he want a spoon of butter or something? Brits are weird, you know, everything is possible. It turned out Greasy Spoon is a place, one that you might normally not visit, but that does a fry-up early in the morning. 
which technically I can understand it could help you with your hangover. But in my case, in reality, 10 out of 10, I'll choose to get a burger from McDonald's or Burger King and eat that rather than an English fried breakfast. Now, a small thing that initially led to few, uh, maybe confusions is a little bit too much said. Instead of, hi, how are you? There are other things people may say to say hello. And I've met a few people who always said, you're right. And at first I thought, okay, I must be looking either totally miserable or I must have have something on my face. Maybe I'm dirty. I don't know. But there's got to be a reason why they're asking me if I'm okay. No, it's just a high. It's basically a nod. And it's like, mm, you're right. And you just nod back. That's it. You, you don't have to do anything else. While we're on weird things, imagine you've seen a football game uh, last night and you come to work or you're talking to your friends the next day, same day, it doesn't matter. You're talking about, and this is how much I know about football, the goals, the penalties, and, you know, the yellow cards, the red cards, all the fouls, or, you know, whatever happened in the game, you kind of, you could potentially talk about it. It was a good game, bad game, whatever. In the UK, people sort of, maybe they'll start on the game last night, like with just few words, and then within 30 seconds, they go over to strategies of the club, the management, the finances, the history, If you are a real fan of a club, you will know the whole history, um, you know, from when it started. You will know all the managers, all the trainers, everything. You will know everything, like what plans they have, which footballer they're going to buy next. Is it a good plan or a bad plan? And where does the money go and where does the money come from? Oh, my God. They hardly ever talk about the football, like, you know, the game. There's just so much more to it. It's like this massive, big picture. I I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but it, this was sort of mind-blowing for me. I, I never heard any other nation, you know, Latin America, freaking football maniacs. They don't talk football like that. At least I not that I've heard. Now, the English language also has... You know, weird things. And okay, there's many differences. I mean, you can do an hour or two hour lecture on the differences between the American English, the British English and whatever other Englishes there are, Canadian, Australian, South African, so, so forth, so on and so forth. But the British one also has the lovely pop. Pop around, pop over, pop in, pop out, pop down, pop up. Everything's just popping. I find it cute in a way, and I think I use it a lot. Not sure if on this podcast, but definitely when I talk, I use it a lot. Oh, I'm just going to pop in, pop into the loo, pop out for, uh, you know, pack of cigarettes or, you know, pop down to the pub or, yeah, something like that. Now I'm going to mention an annoying thing, the word Fortnite. (sighs) I, I don't know. I mean, is it that difficult just to say two weeks? It's confusing. It's very confusing to first non-English native speakers and then to any other native English speakers outside from the UK. Fortnite. 
it's nothing to do with four, nothing to do with nights, nothing to do with four nights. It's two weeks. And the first time I heard it, that had to do with Wimbledon. Maybe it's a posh word. I don't know. But I asked, like, oh, how long does, you know, the tournament take? Fortnight. Yeah. It took me quite a long time to figure out they meant two weeks because, yeah, I, I just didn't know. Well, I thought I thought I actually meant four nights. I was just surprised. Like, why do you say four nights instead of four days? Well, whatever. And then I'm going to move on to a massive controversy. And if you know a British English person, ask them. Please ask them and you'll see how passionate they are about it. There's this little thing. People eat with their afternoon tea. And my pronunciation is based on what I've learned. Like I learned about this thing that existed that you eat there and this is how they called it and this is how I call it and it's a scone. But there are some people who call it scone. Which again sounds weird but I I and I can't tell you which way is posher. I, I don't know because I, I don't know the difference. I learned it's scone, so I say scone, but I have heard many people say scone as well. That's the first controversy, how you pronounce it. The second controversy has to do with how you eat it because you cut it and then you have a choice of, I think it's cream, clotted cream and marmalade or jam, whatever. There is a whole group of passionate people who will fight you to, to convince you that either one of them go first on the, the piece of scone or scone. I dare you, ask, ask a British person, you know, and see what they say. Now, you know, we're talking here typical British things, but that wasn't weird for me. It may be weird for you, but for me, it was just something so normal, natural, because we do it in Poland a lot, and I do it personally a lot. And that's putting the kettle on. When somebody comes for a visit, it's like, oh, yeah, let me put the kettle on. Like the, the Almost the first thing I sometimes have is like tea, coffee. You, you just put the kettle on. You have a group of people over and there's a food conversation. There's a short pause and you're like, oh, yeah, let me put the kettle on. Show of hands. How many teas and coffees? That's just how it is. You know, the tea drinkers like to put the kettle on. Now I'm going to mention something Um Okay, so I know the UK has been an, an empire, you know, for a while. Uh, they had a lot of colonies and they were naming a lot of things in geography. You know, there's the, I, what was it, what is it called? The National Geographical Society, yada, yada, yada. The Royal National or the Royal Geographical Society, which is, you know, very famous. And I forgot the name of it. They named a lot of things around the world. But there's one thing I, I just can't. I, I don't know. Do you know that bit of water between France and the British Isles? Or shall I say now between the EU and the British Isles? So I've always known it. And many people around that I know um, have known it as Channel La Manche from French. Now, when you're in the UK, nobody knows what, what is Channel La Manche because for them... It's the English Channel. And it's just mind-boggling. Like, there's so many other things in the world that we agreed what they're called. And, you know, they're called... They could be called one thing in the native language of the place. And, you know, then the international name could sound a little bit different. But at least we agree on that. Not the freaking Channel La Manche, okay? 
English Channel. No, it's cha- for me personally, Channel La Manche, and I'm not going to fight anyone for it, but. Eh. And then my favorite. Ish. And you, you heard me use it. You heard me use it in this episode. It's such an amazing ending. It's just three letters and they can mean so much. They just carry so much content. What time are you coming? Oh, four-ish. What time did you go to bed last night? Oh, three-ish. Is it safe? Oh, ish. Was it good? Oh, ish. So, yeah, you, you don't have to be specific. You just say, ish. And everyone knows what you mean. Like It's clear. It's fine. It's okay. I, I love it. It's, it's one of my favorites. Now, the last topic I will touch is something I don't know a lot about. So you have to bear with me. A very British thing to say. Bear with me here. Cockney rhyming slang. I'll give you a few examples. The internet is full of hundreds and hundreds of others. So if you want more, you can you can search for them. I just I'm just going to tell you the ones I know and I've heard um, a few times. Let's say. So first uh, first one is um, you're talking porkies. That means you're telling me lies because porkies comes from pork pies, which rhymes with lies. Scotch mist means pissed. And in the UK, that means drunk, not angry. Angry is pissed off. Pissed, just pissed, is drunk. Then you've got the dog or dog and bone for telephone. Then you have the bees and honey or bread and honey for the money. Trouble and strife for wife. And I think right now they, people also just use trouble. And I guess here comes trouble is, you know, here comes the wife. Comes from that. No clue. The last one I'll mention, I actually thought it was a verb, like a verb you find in a dictionary. And it's scarper. You know, oh, they scarpered around. Oh, it's like, oh, you just go and scarper. Um, or, oh, they scarpered. Or, you know, however you use it. It comes from scapa flow, which means go. So, yeah, scarper, go, go away. And I will leave you with something that led actually to a misunderstanding or a few misunderstandings. Tea in some places in the UK means dinner. Yeah, I'll let you sit with that one for a second. Tea means dinner. So when one of my friends, we were actually co-worker, we were in the hotel and they're like, oh yeah, no, let's go for tea. And I was like, yeah, sure, let's go for tea. I'm sitting there ordering a tea and he was looking at me, he's like, aren't you going to eat? I was like, well, we were supposed to have tea. Yeah, it's dinner. And since I've learned about it, I've actually noticed in many TV shows or movies, uh, people talk, I was like, oh, he didn't come for tea. And they mean he didn't come for dinner last night. So, for example, someone's missing. I watch a lot of, uh, you know, crime shows. Someone's missing. When was the last time you saw him? He's like, I don't know. He didn't come for tea yesterday. That means he didn't come for dinner yesterday. I guess that's it. Uh, That's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you travel to the UK or if you know some Brits, you're friends with some Brits, you will feel now a lot more confident and comfortable about how you talk to them. And, you know, you can understand them a lot better. And maybe you have less uh, confusing situations in your life. And I think this one will also mark the goodbye to my time in the UK. Although I'm sure there's like plenty other stories. I mean, let's face it, I've been there 11 years. I have tons to talk about, but 
I think you've had enough. I don't even know how many episodes I've done on the UK. Many, many. That's it. This is the last one. The next one, uh, it's still in its infancy, but I already know I will call it the Swedish bureaucracy and bad timing. So you can guess I'm moving on to Sweden. Thanks for listening and until next time. Thank you.